Hello and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, this Halloween special, we are all going to go on a ghost hunt, on a paranormal investigation to one of Wales's supposedly most haunted places. Yes, I'm going on a ghost hunt and I'm taking you with me to the 1940s museum in Swansea in search of spirits seemingly trapped in the Second World War, some of which we are told are fighting an endless fight against the Nazis. Now, a live investigation such as this one is one of the most ambitious, you could say stupidest things I've attempted to do on this podcast. And as such, this will not be like a normal episode. And so, before we dive into the spooky stuff, I should just explain quickly how things are going to work. Now, our investigation starts at 8pm after the shades of night have fallen, and I'm going to drive to the location a little bit early, park up outside, and have a chat with the manager about any previous paranormal activity that might have taken place. I am then going to take a quick tour, a quick recce of the exterior, and as I do so, I will tell you some of the tales of ghosts which have been reported there in the past. We'll then head inside and meet up with the experts in charge of the investigation, my good friends at Cymru Paranormal, a Welsh paranormal investigation group who do some fantastic work and have helped me out on a number of occasions in the past, including being guests on this very podcast last Halloween when Sarah, the founder of the group, and Leanne, the lead investigator, joined me for a chat. We'll then start the investigation proper, and what you'll hear are highlights recorded live from the night, because if I played you the whole thing, it would be very long and, and frankly, very boring eight hours of a bunch of people walking around in the dark. So instead, I'll pick out some highlights to play you and I'll give you updates as we go along so you know exactly what's happening. I'll then wrap up this episode with some of our findings. And this is a key part of any investigation. We'll then let Cymru Paranormal go away and analyze whatever evidence they gather, if, if indeed they gather any evidence, because I can assure you this is 100% genuine. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. And this will just be a very short episode. But the analysis afterwards is just as important, if not more important than the investigation itself. And so before we begin, I should make clear that Everything you hear from this point on will be recorded live from location using devices like mobile phones and cameras and whatever is available. So the sound quality might be a little bit up and down, but please bear with me and I'm sure it'll be worth it. 
And so, on that note, it's time for me to head out into the cold night air and find some ghosts. Dig out the winter coat, brew up a huge flask of coffee and power up the PKE meters and the proton packs and I'm going to jump into my own personal Ecto-1 and drive down to Swansea. If you're feeling scared or nervous, this is your final chance to turn back because the ghosts and folklore Halloween ghost hunt starts in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So, to begin at the beginning, which which is quite an appropriate quote to start with, as we are in Dylan Thomas's hometown, I've just arrived at the 1940s museum in Swansea Bay, where I'll be spending the night investigating reports of paranormal activity. And the museum is in Swansea Docks, which is, is only a few minutes away from the city centre, the city of, of Swansea. And even though it's the weekend when the city is, I, I'm assuming the city is bouncing right now, it, it feels totally removed from all that partying. And in fact, there isn't a single person in sight out outdoors. The gang are indoors, but out here, uh, there's, there's not a single person outdoors, which, which is probably a good thing because they'd be wondering why I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking around talking to myself. But that, that loneliness, it does add to the atmosphere. It's a very atmospheric setting for a, a Halloween ghost hunt. The, the sun has started to set. There's this wonderful orange autumnal glow all over the land, and there are creepy shadows being cast all over the place from these pieces, um, pieces of the authentic-looking 1940s, um, stuff. It's it, it's all over the place. I can see there's like um like a tin like there's an, an air shelter um outside here just in case I need to hide if there's um an air raid or something. And there's there's a big roadblock and there's barbed wire and and metal things and I I have no idea what they do. Um, but they all look very uh very very time worn, very used. Um, and that that's the sort of the key thing about this museum is that. It, it has been designed to look as if we've stepped back in time into the 1940s, both inside and outside. So inside, um, they've recreated shops and things. And out here where I am, um, there's all this sort of wartime stuff about. Um, and, 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 and as well as that, best of all, or, or, or worst of all, depending on who you are, best of all for me, um, there, there, there are bats everywhere. There are bats fluttering uh, overhead and and I love bats um, and I, I don't think I've seen so many bats in one place before there are so many um, so so never mind the ghosts I, I'm happy because I've already found uh, bats uh, bats this evening now um, before before I, I take you inside um, 
I did a little research beforehand, and I, I've just had a quick chat as well with John Thomas, the owner or the co-owner of the museum, who um, opened the museum with his brother Hugh in 2005. And he was telling me that the uh, the original idea for this museum uh, was that it was supposed to be a history of Wales, you know, for, for, for thousands of years, not just this one decade in the 20th century. So not just World War II, but this museum was, was originally supposed to go back to Roman times when, you know, the Romans were building things like, like down the road in Neath or when the Vikings landed in Swansea, because as, as you may or may not know, um, the name Swansea has nothing to do with those lovely white birds. Um, but it, but in fact, it's named after a Viking called Swain, so it's taken from Swain's eye. But uh, a- anyway, I, I digress. That's my little bit of history about the name of Swansea. But the reason it's it's a World War Two museum now is that all of the uh, the local schools in the area were studying the Second World War. And when they were brought to the museum, when the teachers brought these kids to the museum, they all wanted to see World War Two stuff. And so it was tailored predominantly um, um, to suit the, the the syllabus, I guess. And as a result, it just it just stuck. It just became this this World War II museum. Now, the interesting thing about all of this, to me, from a from a, a ghostly point of view, then, is that all of the best known ghosts attached to this building are thought to date from the nineteen forties, but. If they'd followed their original vision, this place would have nothing to do with the 1940s. You know, I I could be here investigating the ghosts of Roman soldiers or Vikings. Well, as it turns out, there are indeed many links with the 1940s besides that. Because while the museum itself is relatively new, it was opened in 2005, it is stocked up with all of these genuine items from the period. I mean, all these Second World War items, as, as, you know, as I mentioned, the air shelter and things outside. And if you believe in such theories that these items themselves can be uh, uh, haunted, for, for want of a better word, that a keepsake like a watch or a piece of jewellery can be in, in, infused with, with memories of the past then that means the activity connected with this property would make sense because there are so many, I imagine, hundreds of genuine items here from the period. And there's also plenty of spooky dolls, which I'll I'll talk about later, but it's all a little bit conjuring once you get inside. But, But sticking with outside and these theories, if you believe these items could hold something, then there are plenty of links with the 1940s. But even more than that, Long before this museum was plonked here in Swansea Docks, we are standing in an area that was a key, key part of the Second World War, in in, in Wales at least, anyway. Because as long-term listeners might remember, all the way back on episode two, I spoke about the Swansea Devil, a supposedly possessed work of art. Now, the story connected to the Swansea Devil goes back to World War II again, and the Nazis did indeed target 
Swansea Docks, where I'm standing right now, they targeted this area as a key place in Britain to be to, to be effectively wiped out. I mean, the city of Swansea is still it's still recovering today from the damage that the Nazis did during during what is called a three nights blitz. And so not only is this area full of original artifacts from the area, it also suffered great unimaginable damage as well during the war itself, all of which might offer some clues as to why exactly these ghosts of the 1940s are still here today and in some cases are still fighting against the Nazi threat. So what exactly are these ghosts which are said to be here in, in, inside the building, which is, is right behind me now? Well, there, there is very little, I guess what you'd call um, solid evidence to get them. There's lots of anecdotal stuff and there's things which have been gathered by sort of TV crews and commercial groups which have gone in there. So nothing really that we can say for certain. But there are some lovely little tales out there, some, some of which I'll tell you now. And they include lots and lots of footage of orbs, uh, which is one of those contentious areas, isn't it? Orbs orbs were uh, very trendy in the early 2000s when people thought they were ghosts appearing on cameras. And then they went out of fashion again because people realized, no, they're not. It's just a bunch of dusts and insects and things. And then for some reason, they're back in fashion again at the moment, if, if that's your thing. I imagine they'll be back out of fashion again very soon. But what I do know is there is so much dust in this museum. Um, if, if you choose to believe in such things, there's probably a million, a million orbs floating around me right now. So a, a lot of orbs have been captured here. EVPs are another slightly contentious approach and one which has proven to be very, very effective here if indeed you believe in such things. Um, now, EVPs, if, if, if you don't know what that means, very briefly, it stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. And it's it's when what is believed to be um, the, the voice of a spirit is caught on tape. And well, not, not, not tape nowadays, showing my age, but the, the voice of a spirit is captured on some kind of um, sound recording device, you know, whether it's your mobile phone or a dictaphone uh, or a boombox, if you're as old as me. And a, a popular technique which is used by uh, by ghost hunters is the question and answer method. So you hit record, you ask a question, and while the reply might be inaudible to the to the human ear while you're talking, it might get picked up by that recording device. And so when you play it back, you might then hear a spooky voice answering your question, which you did not hear. The first time round. Now, in this place in particular, in in the 1940s museum, I know groups. In, in fact, weirdly, I was talking to um, to one of Wales's uh, better known ghost hunters about this, and he was telling me that he went down the route of bringing Hitler into the conversation, like you do. And I I, I don't just mean talk about Hitler. He actually played Hitler's voice uh, from a rally. And, and as a result, he, he not only got a response, but this response made it quite clear that they, they, they did not want to hear Hitler's voice. They, they had a clear, clear 
hate, hatred for the Fuhrer, um, which if we assume this person died in the 1940s, that this hatred had not dimmed in the last 80 years or so. Now, uh, some others briefly before I, I head inside. Um, there is one which has been mentioned in the RAF operations room. Now, as I said, inside, lots of little rooms have been recreated as they would have been back then. One of them is an RAF operations room. And in there, supposedly, there is an angry man with a burnt face. That, that, that's the quote, an angry man with a burnt face. I'm assuming he is angry because of, of the burn. And th this might well have something to do with the RAF. It's in the RAF room. Was he involved in a plane crash or something? Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm making up my own stories now. Um, but then there's there's the 1940 Street as well. This is quite a, quite a cool part of the museum. They, they've actually made a 1940 Street with advertising and stuff around there. Um, there, people have reported seeing a shadow moving in the corner of your eye. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm still outside myself. It's not fully dark yet, and I've already seen <laughs> a lot of shadows moving out of the corner of my eye. I think maybe... Maybe it's just this place. It does. It does have that feeling. Maybe it's the bats. I, I don't know. But it does. It does fill you with that sense of um, imminent paranormal activity. But of all these ghosts, the one which interests me the most, um, and, and not just because it's in the pub. I'm, I'm driving tonight. There's there's no there's no wine drinking on this ghost hunt. Um, but in the pub, they've recreated a, a 1940s pub in there. Um, which has, has presumably been recreated using, you know, original items. There's um, a piano and, and pint glasses and ashtrays and things in there. And apparently quite a few people, and that, 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 that's a quote, quite a few people have reported seeing a man and a woman playing cards at the table. And they get quite angry if you enter without knocking the door first. But if you're polite and tap the door first, they seem to quote again, quite inviting. So I, I quite like I quite like the almost the mundaneness about the, the these apparent ghosts. You know, they, they aren't they aren't running around screaming and you know, with burnt faces like in the other ones. This is just two it's just two people playing cards in a pub. Two, you know, two, two friends, maybe they're two lovers, maybe they're husband and wife. Uh, maybe I'm making up my own stories again, I don't know. But of, of all the apparent ghosts which are supposed to be in there, they, they are the ones I am most interested in, 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 in making contact with. So I will certainly be heading to the pub at some point to see what we can do. Um, but but that's, that's, enough. that's enough of me outside. It's getting a bit cold. Let's, let's head indoors. Now, I'm inside the location. I've had a coffee. The gang, Cymru Paranormal, are ready to go. And before we get underway, I'm just going to have a very quick tour on my own to get a feel for the place before the lights go out and we start. And the, 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 the first thing you notice about the museum inside is that there are a lot of mannequins or, or dummies or whatever you want to call them, life-size models of people dressed up in 1940s gear all over the place, which I am sure 
are, are, are great for showing school kids in the daytime what people used to wear back in the day. But I imagine they are terrifying when you are walking around in the dark on a ghost hunt because they are going to cause a few jump scares, I imagine. And it's probably going to be me, going to be me doing the, the jump in. Now, the first one you encounter as soon as you walk in is, is dressed as a soldier. There's a triple bunk bed next to him, um, sort of showing the cramped conditions people used to live in while, while serving their country back at the time. And as we go further inside, the rooms are made to look like the interior of, of houses here. So from the period, um, and all of which leads into the street, which is which is lined with shops. And there's, there's a, a butcher's, I can see, and things. And there are products that people could buy. There's old-fashioned cigarettes and cigars back in the day when smoking was was good for you, was compulsory, uh, which, of course, it's not anymore. Don't don't smoke, kids. Um, and, and and I can see the pub as well, which I spoke about, which we will we will be investigating soon. Um, there's lots of uh, period posters and and signs here, you know, like the the kind of keep calm and carry on type type stuff that you see now. Um, and, and off the street, they've recreated uh, the trenches where the soldiers were stationed before, you know, before going over the top. And there's there's barbed wire and everything. And there's, there's a very, a very creepy looking policeman who uh, nearly gave me a jump scare even with the lights on. So never mind that, uh, because he, he's got he's got like a gas mask on and he's standing next to an old Doctor Who style um, police box. Um, and it's I'm, I'm assuming it's un, unintentional, but he does look like some amazing unused Doctor Who villain, very, very steampunk. So maybe um, um, maybe I should let the uh, the writers of uh, Doctor Who know that. Um, well, actually, well, R- Russell Davis, of course, is another Swansea boy. So maybe he'd like to to, to pop down and get some uh, get some inspiration. Um, so that's that's a very very quick sort of whistle stop tour of of the inside. And my my initial impressions are that. With the lights out, this place really could play tricks on you. I've spoken about these life-size models everywhere. I, I spoke earlier about the shadows, and I think this really, really could affect how, how people feel and react in here. Um, and another important thing to bear in mind is that due to the the lockdown, the place hasn't been open to the, to the general public for a very long time, for well over a year, I think. And as such, the place has a very heavy, musky atmosphere. Um, um, you know, if, if, if this was your home, you'd say it needs a good air in. It, it feels it feels claustrophobic in the air. But, um, but yes, you know, it, it, it needs a good airing. And I think the longer you spend in this atmosphere... It, it could affect how you behave, you know. I mean, I think I, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, to getting back out and getting some gulps of fresh air before I go back uh, back inside again. And I think I think that will be an important part to make sure that we don't spend too long in in this atmosphere because you know n- n- never never mind anything supernatural. I think our minds might start playing um, tricks on us. But anyway, let, let's let, let, let's get this thing started. And just to explain how things are going to work, Cumry Paranormal are going to split up into two T 
teams. Um, the first one is going to be led by Sarah, who's the chair and the founder of Cymru Paranormal and who was uh, talking to me on this show last year. And she is going to be leading what they call the scientific team. Now, the scientific team do the important stuff, but it's also what you might call the more boring stuff. So Sarah and her team are going to go off and do the, the, the proper work, the scientific work. I will be joining the lead investigator, Leanne, who's also been on this show before. And Leanne is going to lead what is called a more traditional investigation. And what, what I mean by traditional is that we are going to do the much more fun stuff, the cool stuff that you see on TV shows like Ouija boards and things. But the the downside with that is um, a, a lot of this stuff is maybe maybe frowned upon in the, the scientific community. You know, it, it might be thought of as, as a pseudoscience rather. But for the sake of a podcast, it's much more entertaining. If I took you on the scientific route, it would just be an hour of silence. <laughs> At least this way you can hear us trying, trying to communicate. And who knows, who knows what we'll get. So um, what, what's going to happen now is we're going to get this um, this investigation underway. We're going to walk inside. And very quickly, before we go in, what, what you are going to be listening to now is going to be my edited version of the night because obviously I can't I can't just play six hours of us in dark rooms it would be the most boring podcast ever so I'm just going to chop this right down to the the exciting bits and I will try and remove any really long bits of silence and things so just in case you think it's all happening a bit quickly that has been done purely um purely for the purposes of keeping things short and sweet so anyway that, that that's enough of me waffling on Let's go ghost hunting. So we are now uh, walking down the street into the sort of the, the, the heart of the museum, as it were. Uh, I, I want to go to the pub. There's the, the, the other group are in the pub at the moment, so we are going to head to this other little room, which is... God knows, it's dark. It's, dark. it's very, very dark, so I've no idea what the hell this room is, but it looks 1940s-ish. And what the, the, the plan is that we are... Leanne is going to guide us now in a, uh, a, a traditional scrying or dousing uh, experiment now there's a box here full of of crystals and rods and things and i am just going to it's it's a, it's a lucky dip thing i'm just going to stick my hand in see what i end up with and see if it if it can work it's it, it's magic for me so should i close my eyes and uh well, if you want to let's have one of yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right let's get something useful um I might look for something crystal-y, am I? Is that the... Yeah, you can go for crystal. Ooh, what's that? That's... So I've got myself a, a lovely, a nice little white crystal at the end of a chain, like, like a... And uh, the, the reason I was laughing there is uh, I, I messed it all up and put my hand in and I, I, I actually pulled out some kind of tripod stand or something, which I don't, I don't think there's any evidence of tripods tripod stands detected paranormal activity but now I've, I've got this this lovely crystal and i'm going to stop talking for now and just record us conducting this experiment and and, and of course 
you, you can't see what's going on, so hopefully it'll make sense. But I will explain at the end, I'll wrap up at the end, uh, what, what has or hasn't been going on. So to, to this experiment... And the, the, the voices you hear are going to be uh, Leanne leading the, the experiment, me butting in occasionally. And, and the, the first thing we need to do is to establish what is yes, what is no. So that the direction these things swing, for example, we're, we're going to try and establish what is yes, what is no, j just so if, if there is anything from this, we can then make sense of it. So, so I, I ask it, which way is yes? Is that right? Yeah. So. So I never get very good responses out of these. Right. Uh, not great for me, but I think that's because I know too much about the science behind different things, so it throws me off. Okay. So can you give me the response for yes? And can you give me the response for no? Okay. So at the moment, my yes would be nothing, and no would be a very slight movement. But as I say, this is not very well for me most of the time. Well, mine's going bonkers and I haven't said anything yet, so let's uh, see if maybe I'll stop. So can, can you show me what yes would be? And can you show me what the sign for no would be? I think that's a clockwise spin. So what else can I ask? Well, do, are there any questions you, you'd recommend that get responses? or? Um, I'd recommend things like, um, are you a male? You've got a male right. coming through. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm just saying no to that. Have we got more than one spirit here? No? Yes. Oh, you've got yes. So we've got more than one spirit. So are you both male spirits? Can I answer again? No, yeah. Do, do we have one male and one female spirit here? Do we have any children here? You know, my thing, I don't know if that's me moving, but mine is going bonkers again. Are there any children here with us? Are you interested in these uh, little objects we have in our hands, these toys? So do you think it might... There is a sound up there, isn't there? Yeah. It wasn't just me, yeah. Um, that's okay, you can come closer. Can so come in, am, am, am I right in thinking then that while these stone things might not necessarily be the most scientific, it could, I don't know, for, just for example, be a kid pushing it around then, is that, is that the... It, that's crazy. If you, if you sort of think, wow... So I'm keeping stone cold still. Yeah, I can see. That's really That cool. is a... If you think the answer to the question, are you male or you female, a child would probably not really know that. Are you a boy or a girl? Might be more appropriate for a child. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, if you imagine a child, a child would actually be quite interested in this. What is that shiny dangly thing that you're playing with right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's where I'm sort of going off that at the moment. Um Basically, you could use almost anything as a tool for, um, so you could have a pocket watch, you could have um, yeah. a stone on a piece of string, it could be anything really that you, you could use, you know, we've got the planchettes in the other room, um, you could also use your, um, um, you could use dowsing rods as a, a way, again, you can ask the sign for yes and no and, and go from, from that. Well, they seem to have calmed calm down, don't they? I'm going to count. I'm going to try and work out how, how old you are. So I'm going to count. And when I get to your age, what I want you to do is to give all these a good nudge. Okay, give them a good hit so they go flying around the room. Okay, so are you one? Are you two? Are you three? Are you four? Are you five? Are you six? Are you seven? Are you eight? I'm getting it now. <laughs> yeah, mine's... Are you eight? 
Right, there's def- definitely someone moving out there, isn't there? If you come back, we're, we're going to keep counting. You tell us how old you are. So, are you seven? Are you eight? Are you nine? Don't forget to knock these when we call out your age. Are you ten? Are you eleven? Did we guess your age then? Are you nine? So it kind of changed at nine, didn't it? We did ask for a change, but I wasn't expecting that at nine. I think he said eight. Eight. So we've worked out that you're a little boy and you're about age eight or nine. How old are you? And are you here with friends? So you're here with your friends. And are they the same age as you? Is there two of you? Is there three of you? Four of you? Mine's gone again now. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. mine is. I've got five friends. Very popular. Wow, mm. that must be lots of fun for you. Oh, that's stopped. Mine stopped suddenly. Stopped dead. Yeah. When you said that must be lots of fun for you. Are you not happy with your friends here? Yes. Yes, I was in perhaps not happy. I don't know. Mine's not doing anything. It's not moving. Are you happy here? No. Oh, we're sorry to hear that. What, so what, when you say you feel you feel cold, uh, in general, or like a, a gust of wind, or like shivers from head to toe. Yeah, like, that's what makes one go like that. Yeah. Well, we hope you feel happier soon. You can always have some fun with us if you like. Well, when you've done this in the past, Leanne, how, how sort of well does it sort of corroborate with other things that you might or might know about the place? Um, we've had sort of mixed responses, really. Um, you know, some people have actually had sort of personal um, experiences coming through. So you know, through questioning, it's not necessarily being something related to um, the building. Right, yeah. Sometimes it's it's something personal. So, you know, there's obviously mixed responses because sometimes people want to take on messages and sometimes people don't want to take on messages. Sometimes people don't understand the message coming through at the time until, you know, and makes others think a little bit more about it. So it just depends, really. So, just to give you a quick update, we finished the scrying experiment and I, I know, I know, scrying is a little bit of a, of a, of a pseudoscience and, and everything. But if we take it on face value, we did get some quite impressive results. There was one lady in particular in our group, and her her crystal at the end of a pendant was going absolutely bonkers. I mean, I, I was paying close attention. Her, her hand was motionless, and I thought this 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 crystal was just going to fly off into the darkness. So that was good. And if we if we accept the answers we were given, again, you know, on, on face value, it would appear that there were five spirits in this. So we were told five young spirits, five children. There was one in particular who was making the communication or making the most communication with us, who we believe was a young boy who was eight or nine years old. Now, following that, we thought we'd actually sort of get up and go exploring the area. And to do that, we used K2 meters. Uh, again, another another slightly controversial piece of ghost hunting equipment. Um, but we'll save that for another day for the purposes of, of, of this recording. We, we did, or not, not me personally, but we did get as a group some 
very impressive results again where somebody was asking questions and getting instant clear and correct uh, and what well, correct but getting uh, quick and clear answers to the questions you know it's it's something i i've i've sort of experimented with in the past and this is one of the most clear what we're going to do next um and and talking about pseudoscience this is probably the most frowned upon one of the lot and that is a Ouija board. But this is this is the bit I've been looking forward to. We are going to uh, use a Ouija board next to try and make contact in the supposedly haunted pub. So I I am really hoping that somebody will will come through and and offer me a pie, <laughs> offer me a pint maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah. So 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 that's where we're at. I imagine the next sounds you're going to hear are going to be us conducting the experiment in the pub. And and once again, I will will bring you up to speed at the end of it. So let's um, let's get Ouija in. We invite you to come forward. We would like to communicate with you. And we mean you no harm. We're just interested in who you are. So in front of us here we have a board that has lots of numbers, letters on. We have yes, no. There's letters on numbers across the board. And you can move this little glass and you can send us a message if you wish. Is there any spirits there? Can you tell us yes? Or tell us no if you like. <laughs> do you tend to get better responses if there's more people doing it? Or is it not one? Should we all check our fingers on? Yeah, it can do. Let's see if that. So the four of us around the glass now, we can use our energies to move the little glass. So you can move it across the board. Move it to yes or to no. So is there anyone there with us? Is there anybody that would like to communicate with us? I actually find it weird, the fact that nothing at all is happening. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I've done this in the past, even if it's just sort of subconsciously moving it or something but yeah. and it's quite easy to move on this board because this mm. is it's a nice smooth board the other one's a little bit lumpy it's not it's not ideal yeah you'd, you'd have thought you would move even just a little bit just you know mm. if there's anyone here in this room with us feel free to do something in this room you can make a noise or you can move something Touch one of us. Is my little friend with me still? Is the little boy with me here? The girl we were speaking to in the other room with the suitcase. Are you with us here? There's nothing at all, is there? It's completely flat. No. Nope. 
Well, at least it proves that, you know, you can't get it on demand. You can't uh, insist on uh, communicating with us. Can you try so many things, can you? It does, it does move easily. Yes, it's quite small. You know, I've seen that before now, several times. Have you ever seen it move by itself without anybody touching it? No. no. I wish I had somebody on it. Even just on, I've seen one person on it and... You know, even to to move it one hand is mm. is quite like if you were deliberately doing it. It's not not easy. You can you can kind of see the motions. You can see as your finger slides on it. I tend to rub my fingers quite a lot because I feel like I'm I push on it and I'm sticking to it after a little while. So I pull my finger away. You probably see me do that, but but I, I've actually seen people one person on there and the the, the sort of. You know, facing that direction so if they were going to fake anything it would probably go that way and what's actually happened it's gone like that and their finger has gone that way and it's like oh okay <laughs> completely the wrong way you know the finger is still sort of on the top there and it's gone like that the glass has just come back so you can't you can't do that without flipping you'd flip the glass over no. so you know it's something going the wrong way There's nothing on that either. Nothing at all. Must this feels really quiet. So this is me talking to you, obviously it's me, but talking to you again directly, the the, the lovely podcast listener. And we, we finished the Ouija board experiment. And if I had to sum that up in one word, I think... I think uneventful might might be a nice way of putting it. It was... Well, to, to, to be blunt, it was a failure. And, and, and I, I find that quite fascinating in a way because... I've done a lot of these these Ouija board type experiments over the years, and whether whether you believe in it or not, whether you think it's a good way of communicating with the other side, or whether you think it's a load of old rubbish, what what I do find interesting is that I have never done one before today where literally nothing has happened because even even if it's not spirits of the dead, even if it's subconscious activity even if people don't realize they're pushing the glass around the glass still moves for for whatever reason so in a strange way even though nothing happened that it in and of itself is quite quite interesting to me this is the first one out of out of dozens but this is the first one i've done where literally it didn't even budge an inch but I think I think from the purposes of an investigation point of view, I, th I think we can cross that one off as as maybe not worth <laughs> looking into any further. So what, what what I'll do now is that's the end of the sitting down experiments. We are now going to go off and wander again using equipment to see if we can if we can well, ideally capture something, but if not, just feel sense, just just get get another idea of what's going on now with sort of midnight the witching hour is, is is upon us and what what i'll do is i'll go for a wander 
and then I will be uh, talking back to you very shortly with, with our findings for the night. So off we go into the darkness. So now I'm standing back outside Swansea's 1940s museum, back where I started, back outside, and the bats appear to have gone by now. Maybe the bats are asleep uh, at the, this this ungodly hour, or, or maybe, I mean, it's so dark that they, they could be all around me and I wouldn't know. The only light is, is coming from my phone that I'm talking into. Otherwise, I'm, I'm cut off, which is... Yeah, suitably, suitably spooky, I guess, for the kind of um, Halloween event that we're doing. But ju- just to wrap things up, really, before I have a strong coffee and and drive back home to the warmth of my my house again. But I think looking back on the investigation, it it wasn't the kind of action packed investigation that you see on television. Um, and, and, and we knew that from the start. The idea here is that the group are doing a serious investigation. And the, the quick takeaways for now is that the, the, the scrying, I know there are a lot of a lot of problems with using techniques like scrying in, in these kind of situations. But the the, the results we were getting, and, and I, I'm a very cynical, skeptical person, but the results we were getting did did, did surprise me and I think did warrant l- looking into further. And if you take them at face value, there were certainly there were certainly noises and there were certainly responses going on throughout the night. And if they are connected in some way to what was happening in the scrying experiment, then maybe, maybe it was the spirits of children in there. Maybe they were about eight or nine years old and maybe there was one in particular, a particularly unhappy one, that, that we were, or my group was in contact with the most. Otherwise, as mentioned, things were a bit disappointing, uh, disappointing with the Ouija board, certainly. That, that was a, a total dead end. Uh, the ghosts in the pub sadly did not appear to offer me a drink <laughs> or, to, or to tell me off either for just, just barging in there. Um, and I think it was, you know, it, it's always, it's always wonderful joining Cymru Paranormal for the, these events. And I'm so grateful they let me come along. Um, as, as mentioned at the start, they are going to go away and analyze this now. And that really is the important thing. I mean, I, I, I can talk rubbish now about it, but until, until they go away and analyze it, that's when we'll really know what, what was and what wasn't happening. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up here. I'm going to finish my coffee, get home. And the next time you hear me will be from the comfort of my own home. So we're nearly there. And so ends the first ever live ghost hunt on the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. And while we didn't quite see the ghosts of RAF servicemen or a man and a wife playing cards in the pub, 
We did get something, and as mentioned, the gang are going to go away and examine the evidence from their scientific investigation, and I will report back on that in the future. But in the meantime, I would love to know your thoughts on this episode, because it was something of an experiment, and if you'd like more episodes like this, then please let me know, and I'll see what I can do in the future. And as always, if you don't want to miss those episodes, be sure to hit the subscribe button and you will never miss an episode ever. For more Ghosts and Folklore, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Instagram. And as well as a podcast, I've also written a number of books on similar weird and wonderful subjects, including the most recent Paranormal Whales, which are available from all good bookshops, offline and on. And on that note, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for joining me on this investigation into the unknown. Thank you for listening. Dioch and Varian, am Rando. And until next time, happy Halloween. Nos kalan gaiav hapis and nosta. Ha, 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 ha,